This is Making Connections with your host, Scott Edwards and Scott Neville. This week we have perhaps our biggest guest yet. Scott, take it away. Yeah, so we had Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, and he is also doing media stuff for Fox and MLB Network. And, I mean, at least following-wise, he's definitely our biggest guest. I think uh, that's, I mean, 1.1 million followers on Twitter will do the job. Uh, but yeah, another great interview. This one, we packed in a lot in just about 30 minutes. So uh, I thought that was really cool. You know, obviously a big name and you can kind of get all of that uh, in a relatively quick amount of time. Ton of information, ton of insight. We talked a lot about the Astro scandal uh, and it was right after Alex Cora's news broke. So it was, it was just a really good timing to get a prominent sports writer like Ken Rosenthal on. And uh, yeah, here he is, uh, Ken Rosenthal. Hey there, guys. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? You guys ready? Great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming on. Uh, sure, no problem, man. We know you're sorry, a, for, the, sorry for the delay. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a good delay. It was a fair yeah. delay. So. Yeah, we're Red Sox fans, so we're excited. Oh, okay. excited for that. that was, uh, <laughs> fine with us. We're, we're happy to have him back. That's all we yeah. care about. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so fire away, man. So our first question, we do like to start off with something fun. Um, I am curious what you expect the Red Sox offseason to look like. Obviously, the core thing was a great start. But uh, what do you think? Pitching, pitching, pitching. They need all that and more. And I would not be surprised to see them get one of the bigger free agents as well, maybe a springer. But I really believe they have to focus all their efforts on pitching. 16 starting pitchers in a 60-game season. They let Martin Perez go. You don't know Rodriguez exactly if he's going to be okay. Sale's not going to be ready opening day. Mm-hmm. Their efforts have to be focused there and then supplement that. Now, again, Springer makes a lot of sense for them, but they wouldn't pay Mookie. Would they pay Springer a lesser amount? I don't know, but that that's the direction I see. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, pitching was uh, not enjoyable at all in the 60-game season, especially how you said 16. Uh, so how did you get started in journalism? I mean, you're the to us, you're you know the most well-known baseball reporter in the world pretty much, so we would like to see uh, how you got started. All right, I'll give you the abridged version. Yeah. Uh, I went to Penn in Philadelphia, and when I went there, I went because of the newspaper. I knew in high school, I had a really strong interest in working for a newspaper. And I didn't know if it was going to be sports or news. But when I got to the paper, the editors there basically said, well, the sports editor said, you have to choose here. You can't do both. It's too big a paper, actually. So the sports guys were cooler. I chose sports. And that was that. (laughs) Coming out of college, I applied to 75 or so newspapers around the country and was rejected by all but one. And that one was the York Daily Record in York, Pennsylvania, which was paper in a smaller city. York, Pennsylvania is 50 miles north of Baltimore, I believe 90 miles west of Philly and south of Harrisburg. They had two papers there, though. It was a competitive market, which was unusual, actually, at the time, I believe it was the second smallest competitive market in the country. So it was a great place to learn. And I was there a year. Then I went to a paper in South Jersey, the Courier Post of Cherry Hill, Camden, for about two years. And then I ended up in Baltimore as a baseball writer. And I had no goal of being a baseball writer coming out of school. All I wanted to do was 
cover a beat, a major beat for a major, not a major newspaper. I couldn't do that initially, but a major beat. And could have been any one of the four professional sports, could have been college football, college basketball. It made no difference to me. But baseball was the path that came open for me. And that's where I kind of got started. The Baltimore Evening Sun, I was 24 years old when I got there to cover the Orioles. Very green, clueless, really. (laughs) And that's kind of how it all took place. The difference in my story from a lot of baseball writers, Jason Stark, Buster Olney, and I can think of others too. Tyler Kepner is another one. These guys grew up wanting to be baseball writers. That's all they wanted to be. With me, it didn't make a difference. Now, once I got into it, I loved it and never wanted to cover another sport, really. I think that... Yeah. I I know... You weren't a baseball guy like originally. That is that is news to me. That's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know you you've covered baseball uh, for as long as we know. So I'm definitely stunned to learn. You guys have been alive, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm stunned to know that like it was whatever you can get because I know for me and Scott, that's pretty much where we are mentally too. We're at a point where. We will. We want to be on a beat of you know any sport that wants us. So that's really uh, that that's ensuring to hear for us most. Well, of actually, guys, I think for anyone today coming out of school, you have to be flexible, and you have to be flexible not with just the sport, but the medium. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not going to be print. Maybe it's going to be radio or web. It's just a much different yeah. landscape than when I was coming out of school. There was only one way to go. Yeah. You could be a local TV person, which I didn't want to be, mm-hmm. and you could be a newspaper writer. It was, that was it. There was no <laughs> internet. There was no Twitter. There was nothing else. <laughs> so it was a little simpler in some ways, not necessarily easier, but simpler. And for me, the more varied your interest and willingness to do other things and go other places, the better off you'll be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no Um I wanted to ask you, were there any specific big breaks that you had in your, on your journey to getting to where you are now? I would say getting hired by the Baltimore Evening Sun when I was 24 was probably one big break. And there were a couple of others, but that was the big one because that was finally to a major paper. Not finally, I was only 24. <laughs> and they took a chance on me because I was so young. And most papers don't do that. And what they wanted at the time – this guys, you'll find this probably interesting. Tim Kirkchen was at the Morning Sun. Richard Justice was at the Washington Post. These guys, of course, were yeah. prominent then. They're prominent now. Yeah. And they wanted someone young to try to keep up with them. Now, of course, I couldn't. And they crushed me regularly, <laughs> all the time. But that was the idea. So they took a chance on me. And then I guess my other big break would be Fox. And I was at the Sporting News at the time. This was 2005. And I had started to do some television for regional sports networks with Fox while I was at Sporting News. And I had also done the forerunner of First Take on ESPN, which was called Cold Pizza. So I was starting to kind of dabble in that. I wasn't very good at it. But I had a choice ultimately to go to either Fox or ESPN, both made me offers. And frankly, the easier, safer choice would have been ESPN. But 
I thought if I could get on the broadcast with Fox, that would be a really big thing. Yeah. And that's what happened. So that was a big break too. That changed everything really for me. Yeah, I think that's a... Oh, let me mention one other thing. Yep. The Athletic. Ah, Because yes. <laughs> at the time the Athletic came around or, or I joined the Athletic, I had been let go as a writer by FoxSports.com. Yep. They had just eliminated their writing, essentially. They've now brought it back. But I needed a place to go. And there weren't many opportunities, believe it or not. You might think, oh, you're great, whatever. No, 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 no. Not that simple. I didn't have great options, but I was really intrigued by the athletic. And at the time we were in like five cities. They just started to hire a few national people. I didn't know whether it would work. I had really not a clue whether it would work, but I had the two TV jobs, MLB Network and Fox. And I was at a point in my career, my kids were out of school, college. I had three, have three. And I felt I could take a chance. So I took a chance and my goodness, look what we've become. It's incredible to me. And it's been thrilling to be part of that. Yeah. It's uh, funny you bring up the athletic because before you went there, we hadn't heard about the athletic before. So I feel like you going there kind of really helped spark the big growth that it has become because, you know, we started following it. Um, Now we know a number of, you know, writers as well as you on there. So I think that is a really interesting story here because like you said, it was only in what, five cities then? Yeah. Something like that. It was Detroit, Toronto, Chicago, San Francisco. I think that was it. Yeah. And again, they just, they had hired Seth Davis to do college basketball and they, and they had hired, I'm thinking of the college guy. I work with him at Fox. I should remember his name, but Stuart Mandel. He he was to cover college football. So it wasn't like I was the only national guy who was making a leap at that time, but it was still very small. Very few people had heard of it. A subscription site. Nobody's going to pay money, you know, the whole (laughs) thing. And yeah, it was, it worked out really well. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's funny that you mentioned that because we were curious about that. I guess, I mean, for us, like, like Scott said, you were our first introduction to that. And I didn't even really jump ship as much as I just, kept following you and then your stories started beyond the athletic and then all of a sudden everyone started joining i mean we talked to we talked to drelic like two years ago when he was kind of in free agency and we had that same conversation where we were like he was like i don't really know what i'm doing i'm like how like you have like you're a pretty prominent guy and that's i think that's wild that you can't just go wherever you want at that point especially where you were i mean you have to have the most twitter following on for baseball reporters I, I'm not sure. Buster might, but whatever. I have a lot. You're right, and it's just the market's thin now. For there are not many places to go. Yeah. And could I have gone back to a newspaper? Yeah, but that for me at that time would have been a step backward. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I love newspapers, respect them, and all that, it just when you're at that point, that's not a great option. So there were. I'm telling you, there were not many places to go at that time for me. It's just unbelievable. But I, uh, we even talked to uh, Andy McCullough of The Athletic before. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was really good with us, and he explained his road. Um, so I want to ask you, if there was one tip you would give someone attempting to get into the industry, uh, what would it be? 
I get asked this all the time by college students, and it's a really difficult question to answer. And one reason it's difficult for me is that it's changed so much in the 36 years I've done this. Mm -hmm. And at this point, newspapers are really not a great option, unless you can get to a big one quick and lots of luck. Some newspapers hire young people. The Times, the Washington Post will do this from time to time, but it's, I mean, you have to be the best of the best. So I always kind of try to steer people toward maybe regional networks, websites there, if they have them, things like that. But even there, it's difficult. And the other option is just to get in on the ground floor with a TV network, like MLB Network or Nesson, for instance. And again, it's not easy. And there are different paths. And we've seen people kind of start their own blogs and do things that way. I don't believe that's the way to go because anybody can write a blog, but not everybody can report. Mm -hmm. And it's two entirely different things. So what I often encourage young people to do is just keep your options open, both with geography and what you're willing to do. If you're willing to go work at a small TV station somewhere in the middle of America or in the South or some less populous place, you might be able to get a job. And then it's a question of getting out and whether you're willing to make that sacrifice in your life, if you're from a place like where you guys are from, to go live in a place like that. Not everybody is. So that's kind of where I stand with it. It's not great advice, I know. I wish I had better advice, but the industry is very constricted right now. The ESPN just laid off 500 people yesterday. So it's not... A situation where everybody has the answers that's for sure tough time to be a senior in college for sure but uh <laughs> it's not a great no it's not a great time i agree yeah uh, but i think that those tips are really helpful for us even if you if you uh say they're not because you know i know me and him again are willing to go anywhere it takes to get a job in the industry so i think that is really useful and that we do appreciate that uh, Scott, good. Yeah, and also, I mean, he did two semesters at Nesson, and I'm doing this, like, externship thing, which is not the same, but, like, it's Nesson, and then I have this, like, NFL partnership uh, internship, so we have, like... This, this is the kind of thing, guys, those kind, what you just mentioned, that's perfect, because it gets you in the door, mm-hmm. and it gets you exposure to what the lifestyle is and what the work is, and at least gives you a foundation for going forward. Most young people trying to get in don't have that. So in that sense, you're ahead. It doesn't make it any easier necessarily, yeah. but at least you have some entree into the business. Yeah. 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 We're trying to do it a little differently. This, this you know, uh, series of directed study series where we got to talk to some really cool people. We're hoping we can learn a lot. We already have. Um, and so we're trying to get a leg up on, on our uh, classmates, but yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, this is just like uh, always interesting to me, especially for the higher up we go. If there was one thing you could do to evolve your career further, what would you do? I know you just covered the World Series and you're at a very prominent sports writing position, so it's tougher uh, in your spot. But would you want to do like a podcast, maybe your own like first take show or something like that? Fair question. Uh, I don't think along those lines anymore because – 
in my mind, I, I'm not going to go much further. If anything, at some point, I'm going to slow down. Yeah. I'm 58, and it's not going to ha- go on forever. I, I know that. I'm still healthy and all that stuff, and I still want to do it. I got a lot of energy. It's not a problem, but if anything, I would think more along those lines. Now, the one thing I would like to do, I guess, at some point is probably write a book or just about my own career and all the mm-hmm. crazy stuff I've seen. Yeah. But I always joke that I won't have time to do that until I'm like 95 years old. <laughs> Should I live that long? So that would be one thing. But I guess I sound old, but I'm not really thinking of the next step anymore. Uh, I've taken them all. Now, yeah. could I do a podcast? Sure, I could do a podcast. But I don't really have time to do much more uh, between MLB Network, The Athletic, and Fox. And it's frankly just a question of whether I can slow it down a bit. And that's yeah. not easy to do, <laughs> but uh, it, that's the question more than anything, actually. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you know, you should never think that way, right? I mean, you should always be looking to advance, but I mean, I just don't have that same vision. You know, I've right. been married 30 years and we have three kids in their 20s. And my wife wants to eventually move to someplace warmer. We live in New Jersey. And I feel I owe her that at the very least after all that I put her through with just the travel and, you know, being alone and all that. And that is actually my focus right now. I'd like to get that done above all else, kind of get that life that she has wanted. I mean, I, I to me, I think that is, you know, evolving your career because it, either life. way, making it is it's just not family. going like that right yeah. it's making your yeah. uh your wife happy which <laughs> happy wife happy life right oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so i'll i i'll move on to uh an off-season question for you um as you know we dwindle down here because we know you happen to be one of the busier people in sports believe it or not um what do you think will be the biggest story of the off-season that's a good question I'm not sure of the answer, but I'm going to make it really general. Okay. Player team relations. Hmm. And what I mean by that is how the free agent market goes, how the talks regarding the 2021 season go, and by extension, whether they start to get some progress on a CBA, which of course expires after the 21 season. That is the backdrop to the whole thing. How the union and MLB get along and the players and owners get along. That is the center of this whole offseason. Now, there'll be individual stories that will be bigger. What the Mets do, where Springer goes, where Real Muto ends up. Does Lindor get traded? Yes, that's all important too. But those are relatively minor items when we're talking about the future of the sport. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot to, you know, handle, especially in, uh, with the CBA coming and you know us still dealing with COVID nineteen. You know, it's it's going to be tough, as you said, especially you know deciding on a twenty twenty one season. I guess there is a path because you know they figured out how to do a sixty game season, but you know, hopefully baseball is back uh, next year. It'll be back, I'm sure. Well, I shouldn't say sure in this world we live in. But uh, the question is how long the season will be. And 
what form the season will take, will the protocols need to be in place, will there be a vaccine, and it's all these things. Yeah. And that is, that remains to be seen. So I, my final question, he has one more after this. It's, it's one that I think we would like to understand as we get into the industry is how did you build up a network of sources that spans across the entire league? <laughs> I get asked this a lot and <laughs> it takes a lot of time and I've been in the business a long time, but when I was in Baltimore and I was a sports columnist, I was a beat writer first from 1987 to 1990, and then a columnist from late, actually early 91 until 2005 when I left. During that period, the Orioles were kind of in constant upheaval. When Angelos bought the team in 93, they ran through managers, they ran through GMs. And a lot of these people I came to know covering the Orioles, but they went to other teams. So when the Sporting News talked to me in 2000 about coming aboard as a national writer, I said, well, the one advantage I have, actually, I couldn't call it an advantage, but the one thing I have in my holster is all these people that have run through here. They're all on these other teams. They were, it was an incredible list. <laughs> Must have been 15 or 20 names. And most were prominent in some fashion, some fashion or not. So that's kind of how I started as a national writer. And from there, you just build up and build up and you get to know more people. And frankly, being on television helped a lot because it gives you more visibility and it, for whatever reason makes people see you in a different light. Even though it's not really something that should work that way, it does work that way. So that is kind of how it started. And from there, we're talking a span of what now, 20, 25 years. I've been around a long time. And as you're around, that's how you build it up. Now, one of the things I see with young people today is this inclination, some would say an obsession with some of them, about being first with Twitter news. And first of all, I don't think, even though I do that, it's that important a part of what we do. It's not journalism. It's being the first to break a story on Twitter. That's what it is. And sometimes it can be reflective of great journalism. And sometimes it's just somebody gave you a piece of information. You had it first by five minutes, whoopee. And that's something that as you guys go forward, I hope you don't fall into that trap necessarily because it is a trap. And that's not what this is about. It's about writing and reporting and getting deeper and giving an explanation and understanding. Now, listen, I'm not saying I'm against breaking news. My goodness, the Astros story, which I was a part of, that was breaking news. <laughs> but it was a different form of breaking news. And that is, to me, what people should aspire to. Yeah. Um, um, something we've learned is you know being right and reporting correctly is far more important than speed and yes yeah. I, and listen man that is i'm glad you said that that is the most important thing and i had a situation at the end of the world series where i screwed something up and i am haunted to this moment by it it's only been a week or two and it's gonna haunt me a long time more because when i came up when you made mistakes when you got something wrong it wasn't a good outcome today on twitter eh, give me the next one 
no. Your credibility is everything. Mm -hmm. And yes, I will take getting beat over being wrong. Being wrong is the worst. Yeah, I I think that's something that I'm happy to hear from, you know, you with this, you know, it speed is one thing, like you said, but being correct is what matters most. Because when you miss, and again, it's a, it's a much looser environment now. I don't yeah. think the fans care as much, even though they figure it out after a while, who's credible and who's not. But there have been a few times where uh, I've missed, and it just kills me. <laughs> I, I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> That's crazy, dude, because you break so much a day, even as far as like transactions, small stuff, that, that at least you can only – pinpoint a few times it's not like you know i mean the amount your accuracy has got to be 99.9 or something like that (laughs) i hope so but you know what the one i blew the other at the world at the end of the world series was it was on television actually so i corrected it on twitter but i had the timeline wrong of when turner was tested the positive test Mm -hmm. and it just i screwed up there's no other explanation (laughs) i just screwed up and yeah, to me, that should hurt as much as any win help. It makes you feel right. better. I, I, the wins, whatever, they're great, but they're fleeting too, as I just mm-hmm. said. But when you miss, uh, that's, that's, that's painful. They hurt more than the wins yeah. feel good. Uh, okay, that makes, yeah. that makes all the sense in the world. Um, the last question we have for you, you just did it uh, a couple minutes ago, but uh, what, can you talk about what it was like to break – Probably the biggest story in sports, maybe since the steroid era, but I, I think honestly, probably ever. Um, I know you, it was you and Drellick, uh, so I think that that's just unreal to be a part of that. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. The day we published, and it was after quite some time. Uh, Evan had been working on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I kind of came came in later. The day we published, I will never forget this. I'm standing with Evan, who is about 30, in his low 30s, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. He's a younger guy. Mm-hmm. And we're standing at the general manager's meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's where we were when this all happened, when we broke it. And he turns to me and says, that's the biggest story I'll ever break. I said, what are you talking about? It's not the biggest story I'll ever break. You've got a long <laughs> career ahead of you. you know, this stuff coming. And I didn't realize at the time, this was the interesting part. And maybe it's because we were so close to it and we had been working on it so intensely, but I didn't realize it was that, it was that big. To me, there had been a number of stories in which the Astros had been kind of identified as a team doing some things. We simply had a little bit more. It was like we were advancing it. Well, obviously I had no idea (laughs) what I was thinking and I should have understood that this was we had much better information. We had yeah. tangible people on the record. We had incidents, a whole thing. And we had the whole story. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting from that perspective. I didn't really get it. Now, what's amazing to me is how big it became. Yeah. If you would have told me three managers would have lost jobs because of it and a general manager, I would have been shocked. And even the day that the penalties were announced, I was at MLB Network, I was on the set, and the penalties came out, and then they fired Hinch and Luno, the Astros, if you remember, they came out about an hour later, and I was just 
stunned. And perhaps I shouldn't have been because that was a logical outcome. But yeah. it was at that moment it hit me. Oh my gosh, this thing is really big. <laughs> and I finally figured it out. It only took what eight months, or, but it, it it was big, and it was something that was really a team effort. Not just with me and Evan, but our editors were very involved. We had other writers at our website who read it for us and helped with suggestions. And from that perspective, I'll always be really proud of it because it was such a team and a company almost wide effort. It was, I mean, as just, you know, we're college students. So like we, we don't, fully understand like all that went into that yet but what we do understand is you know you guys had to write this story that was you know perfectly written because you didn't want to get anything wrong especially on such a big story like this correct so i think that's you know what made it so big too because you guys had so much details in there about how it went down and you know other other outlets started adding stuff you know down the line but there was nothing as big as that so i I, we definitely had to just ask that question because it really is the biggest story we've seen at least in baseball since the steroid era i mean it's a year later and there's still plenty that stems from it the hinge hiring the core hiring today it is a lot and i assume we'll be talking about it for quite some time just the issue itself right yeah, and yeah. of course, when, you know, obviously it came up today, when Springer signs, that'll be a thing. Like, uh, pretty yeah. much anyone that ever leaves that Astros team, that will be brought up first. So, yeah, that's definitely going to have a ripple effect for a long time. And that's so cool that you were just able to be a part of that. I mean, the best part of it, honestly, guys, is, and you just mentioned it, Scott, that we got it right. Yeah. And that was everything because you mm-hmm. missed on something like that. And there was some tense moments with the Red Sox story because it was a different story and we didn't report that they did the same thing. What they did was less. There's no question. Of course, they denied it, blah, blah, blah. it went on and on and on and their penalties were not as severe and they did not penalize the manager, general manager. That was their choice, MLB, but that too was a harrowing experience and not those were not easy stories to live with. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say that. There was a lot of tension, a lot of sleepless nights with both of them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, going through that, especially like leading up to certain situations like the penalties and stuff like that, as you explained. So, you know, hearing that gives us a better sense of like what this industry can be at times. So we really do appreciate the way you were able to explain all that because there was so much that went down for you guys. Uh, yeah, there was a lot. And someday maybe I'll write more about it. Yeah. Tell more about it. We're thinking about maybe writing a story now or a year later, but the emotions of it, that's something I haven't talked about. We haven't talked about the process of it. We've tried to be really low key and let the story speak for itself. We didn't want to be grandstanding and we didn't want to be accused of grandstanding. That was the story was the story. That was it. So yeah, there, it was an interesting time. (laughs) Sounds like a perfect way to make a book. 
that you brought yeah, well, up earlier. Evan's writing a book. Evan is oh, writing a book. That's good. That's good. Uh, okay. Yeah. That'll be a book I'll be checking out then. That's probably that's why he just stopped responding to everyone in the industry. I don't know what's going on with that. He just you won't answer us anymore. You won't answer people that are talking. <laughs> Who Evan? Yeah. We we tried to get him back on. He he is big time, but yeah, he's he was a good <laughs> he's a guy actually. He was really helpful to us as well. So you know, yeah, he's a good man. He's we good can't. Guy. Do it. I mean, he is a great reporter. Yeah, he's a great reporter. Yeah, I tried to text him after the Astros thing, and I was like, maybe he'll come on our podcast. Like, <laughs> well, what I mean, we did nothing right. uh, yeah. on the outside after that. Rightfully and so. Even now, I'm I'm not giving you everything, and no. the 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 last thing I wanted to be accused of. And I, this was more my choice, and I asked Evan to go along with this. You don't want to be accused of trying to profit off that or be opportunistic or take advantage of it. No. The news story, the story, that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we approached it. I, that's why you guys are, you know, the top of the business. Playing I hope. Thanks. <laughs> Listen, guys, well, I got to run. Yep. Thank yeah. you, Ken, for coming on. We really do Thank appreciate it. Take care, man. Thanks for Have a good one. See you See later. See you. Bye-bye.